Republican candidates go right at each other to see who's up for the challenge of taking on Donald Trump. Trump's fraud ruling could be the most damaging blow to his candidacy yet, and a mass crime spree engulfs the nation. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Do you like your web history being seen and sold to advertisers? No? Me neither. Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. So preliminary note, today, noon Eastern time, I will be speaking with Elon Musk over on X. There's an X space where we're going to be talking about Elon Musk and his fight with the Anti-Defamation League and standards of free speech on X, as well as advertising pressure on X. So if you want to check that out, make sure to head on over to X spaces at noon Eastern time. Okay, so last night, was the second big Republican debate. And by big, I mean Donald Trump wasn't part of it. And of course, there's no way to talk about the debate without talking about the fact that the front runner by 30 points in the national average right now was not part of the debate. And when the front runner isn't there, it turns into a bit of a crab pot, meaning everybody's just pulling each other down. There, there's no way to avoid that sort of optic. The question is, is anyone going to emerge from that crab pot to actually challenge Donald Trump? Now, here's the reality. Believe it or not, we're still pretty early in this race. It is only September 28th. At this point in the 2008 race, which is sort of the last open primary race that we had before Trump stepped onto the scene. In 2008, at this point, there was a running gun battle between Rudy Giuliani and Mike Huckabee for the Republican nomination. In fact, even in the 2016 Republican primary polls, Donald Trump was was leading at this point, but he wasn't like way out ahead. It was still pretty competitive at this point. In other words, some things can still happen. Now, is that likely? Is that is that the most likely thing? To ha- it's not the most likely thing to happen. However, it is pretty obvious that Donald Trump has some vulnerabilities in places like Iowa. So, for example, despite the fact that Donald Trump is leading significantly in Iowa and also in New Hampshire, when asked which candidates are being considered by voters in Iowa and New Hampshire, a huge number of Iowa voters and New Hampshire voters are saying that they are considering candidates other than Donald Trump. So they're not locked into Trump by any stretch of the imagination. In other words, if something terrible were to happen in Trump's candidacy, there are a lot of people who would presumably shift over. Right now, for example, if you look at that CBS News poll from YouGov, what it shows is that in Iowa, about 20% of the voter bloc says they will vote only Trump. In New Hampshire, that number is about 23%, which means 80% in Iowa and 77% in New Hampshire are saying that they will consider candidates other than Trump. 31% of voters in Iowa say they will not consider Trump at all. 34% of voters in New Hampshire say they will not consider Trump at all. And meanwhile, the vast bulk of the voters in the middle, the plurality of voters in the middle, in both Iowa and New Hampshire say they will consider Trump and other candidates. What's happening right now is that all the people who are considering Trump and other candidates are splitting about half and half for Trump. So Trump's got that locked-in base of 20, 23% in these early states. And then the other 40 to 50% of voters who say that they're considering Trump plus everybody else are splitting about half for Trump and half for everybody else. And so the field is looking very fragmented. And the same thing is happening with the people who are not considering Trump at all. They're fragmenting among a, a bunch of other candidates. So is it possible that somebody could theoretically consolidate the rest of these voters? It is possible, but the field would have to winnow dramatically and that person would have to take votes directly away from Trump. It wouldn't just be a matter of picking up everybody who's anti-Trump. That's only about 33% of the Republican base at this point. They would somehow have to take the other 45% of the base and they would have to win that percentage of the base or at least split it in significant fashion. So that's the state of the race as we move in to this debate. Now, the field is too big. It's pretty obvious that it's going to consolidate. 
Right now, there are three candidates who are probably on the bubble. That would be Tim Scott, Chris Christie, and Doug Burgum. Vivek is self-funded and not really running for president anyway, and therefore he can stay in for pretty much as long as he wants. With that said, the field is likely to winnow. And so by the time we have another debate, we are probably going to be looking at Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis. Pence probably will be out by that point, I would imagine. So you're looking at probably Haley versus DeSantis is how this race is starting to shake down. Now, are these people definitely going to drop out? Well, if you're Chris Christie, you're just waiting until New Hampshire. You're hoping that the anti-Trump base consolidates in New Hampshire sufficient to actually show some momentum over there. But if you're looking at the state of the race right now inside the Republican Party, Haley and DeSantis are the two most viable candidates. And when I say the two most viable, they're not on even footing. DeSantis is well ahead of Haley in Iowa, and they're running about even in New Hampshire. So if DeSantis starts to pick up some momentum, which has been the story of this campaign, is that DeSantis has been a solid number two and he has never caught fire. That's been the story of the campaign so far. Again, I am somebody who is very supportive of Governor DeSantis. I think he'd make a phenomenal president. I like Nikki Haley. I've been supportive of Governor DeSantis and his candidacy pretty much this entire time in terms of who do I think would make the best president among the candidates who are on the stage. Well, with that said, everybody's still waiting for his campaign to actually initiate. And there's been sort of a stagnation to the race it's been a very stable race basically since July, since June, July, when, when DeSantis first jumped into the race. So did the debate change anything last night? Uh, the short answer is no. The debate changed nothing. So Donald Trump basically used the, the war games strategy. The only winning move is not to play. Donald Trump didn't show up. He realized that if he did show up, he'd get attacked by all the other candidates on a wide variety of issues. He was attacked by them anyway for not showing up. Instead, he decided that he was going to jet over to Michigan and he was going to do an event with like, a few auto workers and, and claim solidarity with the members of the union over there, even though the union has shunned him and they are just licking the boots of Joe Biden, who is simultaneously licking their boots as well. With that said, him avoiding the debate naturally means that everybody in the room is fighting each other and not Donald Trump, which is a win for Donald Trump. And that was sort of the dynamic. Last night, there was a lot of people talking over each other, people trying to get aggressive, people attempting to fight each other. And it turned into a mess. It was a bit of a dog's breakfast. We'll get to that momentarily first. You know a company is looking out for you when they actually upgrade your service and don't charge you for it. This is great news for new and current Pure Talk customers. Pure Talk just added data to every plan and includes a mobile hotspot with no price increase whatsoever. If you've considered Pure Talk before, you haven't made a switch, take a look again. For just 20 bucks a month, you'll get unlimited talk, text, and now 50% more 5G data plus their new mobile hotspot. This is why I love Pure Talk. They're veteran-owned. They only hire the best customer service team located right here in the United States. Most families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. I use Pure Talk myself. Take all my calls using Pure Talk. I take my calls pretty seriously, business, family. Well, Pure Talk makes it happen for me. They have a fantastic network. The tower network means that I get clear calls. And again, I'm saving a lot of money. Remember, you vote with how you spend your cash, so stop supporting woke wireless companies that don't support you. When you go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro, you will save an additional 50% off your very first month of coverage because they actually value you. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Pure Talk, wireless for Americans by American. We'll get to more on this in just a moment. First, the financial experts said we were in the clear. While experts anticipated rate cuts, inflation in the United States remains a significant economic concern. Think about it. The United States right now is in the hole by $34 trillion. We're going to keep spending. We're going to keep printing, and that's going to keep pushing up those prices. So you can bury your head in the sand, or you can do something about it. Diversification, always a smart financial strategy. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation. Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert your existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. You're not going to pay a penny out of pocket. Gold is part of my savings strategy. 
I get it from Birch Gold. They've been the exclusive gold partner of The Daily Wire for over seven years now, literally helping thousands of our listeners. They can help you as well. Text Ben to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist about protecting your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text Ben to 989898. Right now, diversification, always a smart strategy. Text Ben to 989898 to get started. Okay, so let's jump into the debate. So last night, the debate was moderated by a person from Univision, which I, I don't understand why Fox News is partnering with Univision. That, that is a far left network. It's sort of like the MSNBC of the Latino community. So Hispanics and, and Latinos who are voting Republican or considering voting Republican in the primaries, they're not watching Univision. And, and every question that came out of Univision was, was biased to the left. It's Stuart Varney from Fox Business. And you had my friend Tana Perino from Fox News. And through no fault of their own, I mean, I can't blame the moderators. It's easy to blame the moderators, but it was just, it was just a pileup. It was just a 20 car pileup on the I-95. That's all it was. It was just a, it was a complete car crash pretty much from the beginning. There's a lot of awkwardness, a lot of weird moments, some entertaining moments. But, you know, for those who suggested that the debate overall is not a commentary on one individual candidate, the debate overall was relatively unwatchable. That's true. It, it was a it was a not watchable event. Now, again, I think that some of that has to do with the moderate. Some of it has to do with the way that these debates are done. When a person is asked a question, every other mic on the stage needs to be cut. That's just the way this ought to go. And then when the clock expires, then the mic should be cut. It should be that simple. If you strictly set the rules, then the rules have now been set. But nobody does that in these debates. It's kind of incredible to me. I don't understand why Fox News doesn't just set those rules right at the outset so you at least have some sort of order. The problem is that right now you have seven people on that stage all aggressively attempting to eat the microphone and get into that, that camera with the red light on. And they have no incentive to stop. So there, there's a ton of people talking over each other. Uh, there, there's a, a ton of sort of non-understandable nonsense where people were just, it just sounded like like gray noise over your ear. So just on an optics level, it was not a good debate. Now, as for the particular candidates, Nikki Haley came in with some semblance of momentum. When I say some semblance, I mean, again, if you look at the polling data, she's doing better in New Hampshire than she was. She's doing better in Iowa than she was. She's still third right now to... DeSantis by a pretty significant margin in Iowa. And she's now in the scrum in New Hampshire, meaning if she is second or if she's third or if she's fourth, it's kind of all the same because the reality is that it's Trump at 50. And then it's like DeSantis and Christie and Haley all between like nine and 13%. So she's got some, so there's no question that Nikki has gotten some momentum off of the last debate. And she came in very aggressive. She came in very hot. Meanwhile, DeSantis was planning presumably to stick to his playbook. His playbook is, Every time you come to me, I'm going to give you my accomplishments in Florida, which is a fine playbook. That's totally fine. He rebutted some attacks, some really, I think, scurrilous attacks by moderators talking about, for example, the Florida education plan to ban critical race theory. But it, it wasn't going to be a moment where he sort of elevated. As always, these, these debates are not friendly territory for DeSantis because he is, at least on the stage, the front runner, right? He's second to Trump. Everybody is second to Trump. But he, he is on the stage, the front runner, which means he has to fend off all those attacks. Vivek apparently had a personality transplant. So he went from the first debate where he was just aggressively smarmy, like over the top smarmy, and just grinning ear to ear the whole time and and insulting everybody on the stage to much more humble Vivek. He must have gotten the exit polls from the last debate and seen that it actually blunted a lot of his momentum. And he decided to change it up. 
Tim Scott, by contrast, decided that he had to get more aggressive because he's also seeing those polls. And what they're saying is everybody thinks Tim Scott is a nice guy and nobody knows why he's on the stage. Chris Christie was just Chris Christie. The one thing you have to say for Chris Christie, that dude is always Chris Christie. He's never not Chris Christie. He's always Chris Christie, except when he's getting Donald Trump a Coke. But aside from that, he's always Chris Christie. And then Doug Burgum, no one knows why. And Mike Pence, he again, I, I like the vice president. He brought a heavy dose of awkward last night. So just in terms, of, there's a lot of cringe to this debate. Watching this debate felt like watching the earliest episodes of The Office before they sort of hit their stride, where it was all super cringe. You were not sure if you're even allowed to laugh or not. Okay, so the debate began with several of the candidates knocking Donald Trump for not showing up to the debate, which is perfectly appropriate. Donald Trump is a Republican candidate for the presidency. He should show up for the debate on every moral level. Also, on every strategic level, he definitely should not show up for the debate. I'm just going to point out that strategically speaking, when you are winning by 40 points and you don't show up to the first debate and nothing happens to your numbers, there is literally no reason for you to show up to the second debate. Okay, but of course, all the other candidates are going to are going to attack Trump over this. So Chris Christie led the pack in attacking Trump for not showing up to the debate with the running gun battle for heaviest dose of cringe last night. I mean, this is like fatal dose of cringe here from Chris Christie. And I want to look at that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. I know you're watching. Okay. And you're not here tonight, not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that. No one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. No one's going to call you Donald Trump. They're going to call you. They're going to ask you why you're not wearing pants. Why are you only a shirt but no pants? What happened to Melania? Where's Daisy? <laughs> what is wrong with him? I don't even understand. That's, who wrote that line? That's, like the, that's the worst comedy line. That's a terrible line. They're going to they're stop calling you Donald Trump and they're going to start calling you Donald Duck. Okay, Bob Hope wants his routine back from 1947. Whoa. So that, yeah, that not, not, not a good line there from Chris Christie. He starts off strong there, right? He's like, you're not here. I know you're watching. The reason you're not watching is because you're, is because you're, I, I was, I, I thought maybe he was going to go to like needles and back to the future too. It's like, cause you're chicken, you're chicken McFly. You're chicken. <laughs> oh, solid stuff there from, uh, from Chris Christie. Okay. We'll get to uh, more of this, uh, of this bleep show debate in just one second. First, as you know, I'm on the road when I'm on the road, I got to tell you, I'm even less inclined to have fruits and vegetables because the food in Israel is fantastic, but I'll tell you what is still bad, fruits and vegetables. But you need the fruits and veggies because they're the thing that keeps you alive and healthy. This is why I rely on balance of nature. Balance of nature, fruits and veggies are a great way to make sure that you're getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Through balance of nature's advanced cold vacuum process, the vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients of the fruits and veggies are preserved. So you get that vital nutrition in every capsule. Balance of Nature is a whole food supplement with no additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in their capsules, pure fruits and veggies. Balance of Nature sent a bunch of their product down to the studio for my team to try, and we all love them. Producer Zach brought his Balance of Nature fruits and veggie capsules here to Israel. He takes them daily. I've been taking them as well. Obviously, if I'm taking them, that means they're kosher. So if you're one of my fellow kosher keepers, then you can also uh, be having Balance of Nature stuff. When you're disciplined enough to take care of your health, you reap the benefits. Your body will thank you. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro for 35% off your very first preferred order. Okay, so Christie wasn't the only candidate who called out Trump for not being there. DeSantis also called out Trump. And this obviously is a much better calibrated attack than, so where are you? Are you, are you Donald Duck? 
This is, this is a lot better here from DeSantis. Where's Joe Biden? He's completely missing in action from leadership. And you know who else is missing in action? Donald Trump is missing in action. He should be on this stage tonight. He owes it to you to defend his record where they added 7.8 trillion to the debt. That set the stage for the inflation that we have. Now, I can tell you this, as governor of Florida, we cut taxes, we ran surpluses, we've paid down over 25% of our state debt, and I vetoed wasteful spending when it came to my desk. And as your president, when they send me a bloating spending bill that's gonna cause your prices to go up, I'm gonna take out this veto pen and I'm gonna send it right back to them. Yeah, that's a good pitch from Ron DeSantis. Now, again, does that damage Trump in any serious way? I mean, Trump's not even there. And unfortunately, a huge percentage of Trump supporters don't actually hold him responsible for many of the things he actually did while he was in office. But if you're going to launch an attack on Trump, that is the proper attack on Trump. Come defend your own record. Okay. meanwhile, Mike Pence decided that he was going to go mano a mano with Chris Christie in the awkward lane. So uh, he decided that he was going to talk about he was asked about Joe Biden showing up at the UAW strike. He was asked about Donald Trump showing up and speaking in Michigan. And when he was asked about Biden, he uh, he dropped what he thought, I think, was a pre-planned laugh line. So first rule of debate, do not have pre-planned laugh lines. You cannot predict when people are going to laugh, particularly when your laugh lines are this awkward. So here is Mike Pence talking about Joe Biden on the picket line. Look, I do disagree with something Tim Scott just said. Joe Biden doesn't belong on a picket line. He belongs on the unemployment line. And then he uh, and he looks into camera waiting for waiting for people to laugh. It's like, oh, no, oh, no. Now, first of all, he's cribbing off Ronald Reagan. It's an old Ronald Reagan line. He says recession is when your neighbor loses his job and depression is when you lose your job. And recovery is when Jimmy Carter loses his job. Right. So he's basically kind of twisting that line. But um, yeah, the, the crowd is like, uh, no, so that went over like a lead balloon. I mean, meanwhile, Nikki Haley, uh, she she was very aggressive last night. She obviously was amped up. And you could tell from from her manner. She didn't do poorly last night, but it was just a, it was a very aggressive performance from Nikki Haley, which was kind of a difference from her last debate performance, which I thought was actually very good. Uh, here is Nikki on uh, immigration, for example. And what she's saying is totally right. It's just that, again, when you're when you're watching these things, the cadence sort of matters. Well, what happens is when Joe Biden waved the green flag, it told everybody to come. And now we've seen six million people cross the border. We've had more fentanyl that have killed Americans in the Iraq, Vietnam or Afghanistan wars combined. We need to make sure that we are a country of laws. The second we stop being a country of laws, we give up everything this country was founded on. So we have to secure the border. The way we do that is, first of all, defund sanctuary cities. You see what's happening in Philadelphia right now. It's got to stop. So all this is good by Nikki Haley, by the way. Oh, this is good by Nikki Haley. And she started off the debate in this mode. As you'll see a little bit later on in the debate, she kept getting more and more aggressive. But again, she started off solid. There's a reason why in this group of candidates, Haley and DeSantis are currently doing the best. And meanwhile, Vivek was there. And um, again, I agree with a lot of what Vivek says, depending on the day. And uh, and Vivek yesterday was talking about the uh, the southern border. And here's what Vivek had to say about the southern border militarize the southern border, stop funding sanctuary cities, and end foreign aid to Mexico and Central America to end the incentives to come across. But I do go a step further. You're right about that, Ilya. I favor ending birthright citizenship for the kids of illegal immigrants in this country. Now, the left will howl about the Constitution and the 14th Amendment. The difference between me and them is I've actually read the 14th Amendment. What it says is that all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the laws and jurisdiction thereof 
are citizens. So nobody believes that the kid of a Mexican diplomat in this country enjoys birthright citizenship. Not a judge or legal scholar in this country will disagree with me on that. Well, if the kid of a Mexican diplomat doesn't enjoy birthright citizenship, then neither does the kid of an illegal migrant who broke the law to come here. Okay, so so what Vivek is saying there, by the way, actually is is a good legal argument. This has been a very, very long and an interesting ongoing legal argument among conservative legal scholars is whether birthright citizenship actually was ever meant to extend to kids of people who are subject to another jurisdiction. So if you are a Mexican citizen, but not an American citizen, you come here and then you just drop a kid, are you, is that kid therefore an American citizen? There's a case from the Supreme Court in the late 19th century that sort of suggests that yes, this is an, birthright citizenship is the way that, that this is done. It would probably take a constitutional amendment to overturn that. There's an argument about whether you could do it with an act of Congress or not. It's an interesting legal argument. So this was the, the debate, Vivek, who showed up. And much better debate, Vivek. The problem is that there was hangover from the last debate, Vivek. And the last debate, Vivek, was really obnoxious. Right? He's the guy who got on stage and he suggested that every single person who was, uh, who was on the stage was bought and paid for, which led to Tim Scott actually taking out a baseball bat and clobbering Vivek on the stage. And it was really at this point in the debate where things started to get out of control uh, from, from here on in. So at the beginning, you had some people making some policy statements, good, bad, and different. It was really here that things started to, to go wild. I can't imagine how you could say that knowing that you were just in business with the Chinese Communist Party and the same people that funded Hunter Biden, millions of dollars, was a partner this of yours as well. It's not nonsense. So look, you, you, here's you, what I, 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 I want to respond. These, these are good people who are tainted by a broken system. And it's not the fault I, I you, of anybody who's involved. Some of us are tainted. Excuse me. Line is you excuse me. Thank you for speaking while I'm interrupting. Literally. While I'm speaking. Well, no, you <laughs> Thank you for speaking while I'm interrupting. You can't be on both sides. Gentlemen, you'll have your turn. One of the challenges we should have a debate between this in China. Everybody knows that. If I may, if I may address, focus on holding Joe Biden accountable. That's what we need to be. I actually agree with Ron. And then Ron jumps in. So this turns into, oh my gosh, this whole thing turns into the opening number of Guys and Dolls, right? It's it's. I got a horse right here. His name is Paul Revere, and now you've got three guys singing simultaneously about which horse they're picking. Like, use the use the mute button, gang. Use the mute button. Cut off somebody's mic. This is where it turned into it turned into a mess. I will I will say that that Freudian slip by Vivek right there. Stop stop speaking while I'm interrupting is pretty spectacular. Okay, we'll get to more on this in just one second. First, got to tell you my sleep quality here in Israel. It has been improved by the fact that I, I I told you this before. I brought with me my bull and branch blanket. It's a thing I do. It's so comfortable. It is the thing that allows me to sleep even when I'm on the road. Well, your bedding should be that good. Start investing in your best sleep with Bull and Branch. They make the only sheets that get softer with every single wash. Bull and Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. They feel buttery to the touch. They're super breathable. They're perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their signature hem sheets were made with luxurious threads. They're made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. Best of all, Bull and Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free travel, with free shipping and returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. They are just that good. I, again, they're so good I travel with them. Sleep better at night with Bull and Branch sheets. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code Shapiro at bullandbranch.com. That's bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code Shapiro. Exclusions apply. See site for details. They're awesome. That cable net throw blanket, that's the thing that I bring with me. Awesome, awesome stuff. Check them out right now. Bullandbranch.com. Promo code Shapiro and get 15% off your very first order. All righty, so the debate, again, from here, it started to spin out. 
Pence also hit Vivek Ramaswamy. Again, one of the hangovers from the last debate is that Vivek pissed everybody off and everybody decided they were going to take their revenge. So here was a Pence slamming Ramaswamy. Uh, he, again, he, he, they, they were going after Vivek also because he accused everybody on the stage of being corrupt. And now they're all like, dude, you, you tried to cut a deal with the same Chinese business partners that Hunter Biden cut a deal with. Here, here's Pence. Well, first, let me say I'm glad I'm glad Vivek uh, pulled out of his business deal in 2018 in China. That must have been about the time you decided to start voting in presidential elections. So yeah. we're hey, nice I'm to have you participating in, in elections. Too. So let me let me speak to this issue. Number one. Um, OK, we're done there. That's it. That's all we need from from Pence. But again, just demonstrative of the kind of ire that people had for Vivek on the stage. Nikki Haley also could not stop going after Vivek last night. So this started off actually when Vivek Ramaswamy was asked about TikTok. So he had this very weird flip-flop on TikTok where he said TikTok should be banned. And then he made a big statement about how he was going on TikTok. Now, listen, I think TikTok should be banned. I'm on TikTok because my view of this is pretty simple. I'm going to go wherever the eyeballs are. I'm going to go where the eyeballs are because otherwise the bad guys get the eyeballs. So if TikTok is available, Two people. I'm not going to pretend it's not available. I have the same view of this that I have about ballot harvesting or about early voting. When these things are available, you have to use them because the other guys are going to use them. And that's that's kind of what Vivek says right here. But then he kind of goes further and suggests that maybe we shouldn't ban TikTok. So here was Vivek talking about TikTok. TikTok is banned on government government issued devices because of its ties to the Chinese government. Yet you join TikTok after dinner with boxer and influencer Jake Paul. Should the commander-in-chief be so easily persuaded by an influencer? So the answer is I have a radical idea for the Republican Party. We need to win elections. And part of how we win elections is reaching the next generation of young Americans where they are. So when I get into office, I've been very clear. Kids under the age of social, under the age of 16, should not be using addictive social media. We're only going to ever get to declaring independence from China, which I favor, if we actually win. Okay, so he avoids the question on whether to ban TikTok or not. And this leads to Nikki Haley getting very aggressive. And some people thought this is a good moment for Nikki Haley. I actually don't think this is a good moment for Nikki Haley because, again, Nikki Haley's entire approach here has been very genteel. Like she, she's been aggressive enough to attack people, but um, yeah, I, I don't think this moment went over for her particularly well. This is infuriating because TikTok is one of the most dangerous social media apps yes, that is. we could have. And what you've got, I honestly, every time I hear you, I feel a little bit dumber for what you say. Hmm. Because I can't believe you know, they hear you've Haley got a TikTok situation. What they're doing is these 150 million people are on TikTok. <laughs> that means they can get your contacts, they can get your financial information, they can get your emails, they can Let get me just text say, messages, they can get all I, this of is these important. things. This is China very important knows for our exactly party. What they're this doing. is very important. And what we've party, seen is say you've it. gone and you've we helped China build, make medicines will, in China, not America. Me, you are now wanting kids no, to go and go. get on the social media that's dangerous for all no. of us. You went and you were in business with the Chinese that gave Hunter Biden $5 million. We can't trust you. We so can't me, trust you. We can't have TikTok no, in our kids' So it kept going like that. And then, and then Vivek had the temerity to say we shouldn't be attacking each other up on the stage. When literally last debate, that's what he was doing. So, again, the person who was rising up from the scrum in all of this was his strategy, which is I'm going to stand over to the side here. Right. You guys want to do your car crash thing? I'm going to be like over here. It mainly succeeded. One of the best moments that DeSantis had last night was his moment on abortion. So he was asked specifically about abortion policy because Donald Trump has been incredibly aggressive in calling out DeSantis's six week abortion ban in the state of Florida. In fact, going so far as to suggest that it's immoral to pass heartbeat bills in the states, which 
Again, I, I don't see how any pro-life person can say that. You can say you think it's tactically wrong to suggest a, a heartbeat bill at the federal level because it's not going to pass and it's just going to tick off independent voters. I understand the tactics, but to suggest as a pro-lifer that it's bad to pass such a bill is, of course, ridiculous. Here is DeSantis' answer on abortion. Abortion was on the ballot in six states in 2022. Republicans lost all of them. Next year, abortion will likely be on the ballot in Arizona. That is a must-win state. Governor DeSantis, how are you going to win over independent pro-choice voters in Arizona? Same way we did in Florida. We won the greatest Republican victory in a governor's race in the history of the state, over 1.5 million votes. We were winning places like Miami-Dade County, Palm Beach, that nobody thought was possible uh, because we were leading with purpose and conviction. I reject this idea that pro-lifers are to blame for midterm defeats. I think there's other reasons for that. Uh, the former president, um, you know, he's missing in action tonight. He's had a lot to say about that. He should be here explaining his comments to try to say that pro-life protections are somehow a terrible thing. I want him to look into the eyes and tell people who've been fighting this fight for a long time. Okay, so, you know, good for DeSantis, good answer. And then, of course, DeSantis got attacked over supposed misteaching of slavery in the States. And again, this is a good defense by DeSantis. So here was um, the reporter from Univision. Again, th this is a left-wing question from a from an MSNBC Latino reporter. I mean, that's, that's basically what Univision is. It is a Latino MSNBC suggesting that the teaching of slavery in Florida talks about the massive benefits of slavery, which of course is not true. We've talked about this extensively on the program. It's a lie. It very much resembles the Associated Press standards, the, 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 prior, the prior teaching standards that have been applied in the state of Florida are pretty much mirrored here. All it says is that slaves could use skills they learned during slavery opportunistically in order to advance their lives after slavery. That does not mean slavery was a good thing. That's like, it's the same thing as suggesting that if you, if you went to jail and then you somehow got a degree while you were in jail, you use that after you went to jail. It doesn't mean jail was great for you. It doesn't mean jail's like an amazing place. In any case, here is, uh, here is DeSantis rebutting this ridiculous question. Quote, slaves develop skills which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. You have said slaves develop skills in spite of slavery, not because of it. But many are still hurt. For the sentence of slaves, this is personal. What is your message to them? So first of all, that's a hoax that was perpetrated by Kamala Harris. Uh, we are not going to be doing that. Second of all, that was written by descendants of slaves. These are great black history scholars. So we need to stop playing these games. Here's the deal. Our country's education system is in decline because it's focused on indoctrination, denying parents' rights. We eliminated critical race theory, and we now have American civics and the Constitution in our schools in a really big way, just like President Reagan asked for and his farewell address back in 1989. Florida is showing how it's done. We're standing with parents and our kids are benefiting. Okay, then Tim Scott, again, th this is where these debates sort of tend to go off the rails and it does show who has limits and who does not. I do not like badly calibrated attacks or attacks that are dishonest. Tim Scott going after DeSantis on the slavery thing is, is really scurrilous. It's really scurrilous and it's beneath Tim Scott for sure. Here is Scott going after going after Ron DeSantis on the standard, which again, was not written by, by Ron DeSantis. It was written by a group of black scholars in Florida. There is not a redeeming quality in slavery. He and Kamala should have just taken the one sentence okay, out. Ridiculous, I'm sorry. That's ridiculous, that's ridiculous. No one is suggesting that slavery had redeeming qualities. No one's suggesting that. 
And so for Tim Scott to do that, again, gross, don't like it. Okay, we'll get to more of the debate in just one second. First, as much as I love watching baseball and rooting for my White Sox, I got to say my White Sox are awful this year, like a truly historically awful team, which means I'm not enjoying it as much as usual. So I have to rely on prize picks to make it more enjoyable. Prize picks is the easiest and fastest way to play daily fantasy sports. You pick two to six players and you choose whether they will score more or less than their prize picks projection. If you're if you're a White Sox fan, always take the under. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competition against other people. It's just you versus the projections. Prize picks offers projections on pretty much every sport there is. NBA, MLB, NFL, NHL, PGA, college sports, esports, tennis, disc golf, whatever you're into. Prize picks. Now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Again, if you are like me, uh, a fan of, say, the Chicago Bears, and uh, you've just been watching the painful season three performance of Justin Fields, maybe the only way to make the NFL watchable for you is to use prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash Ben. Use promo code Ben for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash Ben with promo code Ben for a deposit match up to $100. Okay. So I've been a little bit hard on Vivek. He did have one sort of shining moment in the debate last night, and that was when he discussed transgenderism, which again, Donald Trump was asked, can a man become a woman? He actually hesitated in an interview on national TV about that. Vivek certainly did not have any hesitation on that question. I have to be very clear about this. Transgenderism, especially in kids, is a mental health disorder. We have to acknowledge the truth of that for what it is. I met two young women early in this campaign. On parental rights in schools. Parents have the right to know. And you know what the hypocrisy of this is? Even New Hampshire failed to actually get past a piece of legislation here. The very people who say that this increases the risk of suicide are also the ones saying that parents don't have the right to know about that increased risk of suicide. And I'm sorry, it is not compassionate to affirm a kid's confusion. That is not compassion. That is cruelty. I met two young women, Chloe and Katie, early in this campaign who are in their 20s, now regret getting double mastectomies and a hysterectomy. One of them will never have children. And the fact that we allowed that to happen in this country is barbaric. So I will ban yeah, he's right about this. genital mutilation or chemical yeah, this, is, this is all good from, from Vivek. The, the, the biggest issue with Vivek sort, sort, in terms of sort of how he speaks to camera is that every issue is the same level of intensity. But what he says here is, of course, absolutely right. Naturally, he was then hit immediately with a fact check suggesting that transgenderism is not a mental disorder. Spoiler alert, it's a mental disorder. It's literally in the DSM-4 and the DSM-5. I mean, it's literally in the DSM, which is a, which a list of mental disorders, gender dysphoria or gender identity disorder. Okay, the, the debate concluded with pretty much everybody trying to explain who they wanted to leave the race, what they thought the race was about. In the end, there are really only two candidates on the stage who are running to be the president of the United States. In the end, DeSantis and Haley. Everybody else is up there for a different reason. And you could see it in the answers. So the last question, Dana Perino is getting a lot of crap for this because she said, if this were a survivor, who would be voted off the island? And like, is that an insulting question? I mean, half these people should be off the island. Not only should they be off the island, we should actually have, you know, like an alligator pit. And uh, and I, I think it would make it much more entertaining if every time they slip lower in the polls, there is the possibility of death. I mean, it would definitely winnow the field pretty dramatically. In any case, uh, here, was, here was Dana asking the question. Ron DeSantis said, I'm not going to answer it because I don't like the question. Fair enough. None of you have indicated that you're dropping out. So which one of you on stage tonight should be voted off the island? <laughs> your marker to write your choice on the notepad in front of you 15 <laughs> seconds 
starting now. Of the people on the stage, who should be? I'm absolutely serious. With all due respect, I mean, we're here. Like, you know, we're happy to debate, but I think that that's disrespectful to my fellow competitors. Nobody wants to participate. Let's do some questions. Let's talk about the future of the country. Okay, so, okay, fine, fine. I, I will say that it was it was very funny. The very end of this debate, like, took the mask off of Vivek when it came to Trump. So th- this is the thing. Look at that list of candidates again. Who is actually running? Because they think they're going to win the nomination. So Nikki, maybe. DeSantis is definitely running because he thinks he could win the nomination. I mean, back in December, he was directly competitive with Donald Trump. Vivek is running to be a senator from Ohio with Trump's endorsement. Or he is running to to get a podcast or he's running to do like whatever it is he's doing. He was asked, why are you running when you're basically just a a Trump mini me? And his answer was, well, I am a Trump mini me. And uh, here we go. I think Trump was an excellent president, but the America first agenda does not belong to one man. It does not belong to Donald Trump. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to you, the people of this country. And the question is, who's going to unite this country and take the America first agenda to the next level? Okay, 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 fine. So the problem is that guy's running. So you can't do that. You can't do that. He was an excellent president. I love his agenda. And we need to take it to the next level. He's standing right there and he's beating you by like 40 points, dude. Like that's some people here are running and some people here are not running. They are just there for the for the bleeps and giggles of it. Again, Nikki Haley running. Ron DeSantis clearly running. Vivek, nope. Tim Scott, nope. Chris Christie, nope. Is it more of a revenge campaign? Just looking for his opportunity to uh, to run into the middle of a of a room and start and start belching everywhere. Doug Burgum, I mean, Doug, you seem like a nice enough guy. I just don't understand. And Mike Pence, who clearly is there to sort of shore up his legacy because he was Donald Trump's vice president and he has to justify himself individually. Okay, what are these people seriously serious? The answer is no. Which brings us to Trump. We'll get to Trump in just a second because he spent the day not going to this debate. He instead went over to Michigan. We'll get to that momentarily. First, the Ben Shapiro Show is supported by Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university with a vibrant campus in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, that's ranked top 20 in the country, according to Niche.com. GCU is a missional, Christ-centered university that strives to foster a culture of community, giving, and impact. GCU's goal is to help you develop into a servant leader who makes a difference through finding your purpose. With 330 academic programs, over 270 online as of June 2023, GCU integrates the free market system with a welcoming Christian worldview into your bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu today. Also, everybody's talking about convicting a murderer. It's completely blown up making a murderer's narrative of Stephen Avery being falsely convicted for murdering Teresa Halbach. There are people all over the country commenting about how they've changed their mind after watching convicting a murderer. Well, this is what happens when you actually make a documentary that looks at the entire panoply of the facts. This week's episode is all about how making a murderer left so many viewers convinced that Manitowoc police orchestrated a plot to frame Stephen Avery. Candace is going to show you what actually happened in this week's episode. Take a look. Coming up on Convicting a Murderer. The key was the biggest piece of evidence that viewers to this day believe was planted. It was a story that was really tailor-made for Hollywood. He was on TV constantly saying, it's Manitowoc County, they're framing me. It's got to be a setup. Because if I didn't do it, they had a plan to stop. It seemed like almost everyone believes these filmmakers. What do we want? Justice! What do we want now? His body language comes across as very suspicious. It looked like he was caught. And that is exactly what the filmmakers led you to believe. Why are you editing my courtroom testimony? You should be still faithful to the facts. I started to realize more and more that this was an entertainment piece. 
This wasn't a piece of journalism like I thought it was going to be. New episodes of Convicting a Murderer are released every Thursday exclusively at Daily Wire Plus. If you're not a member, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe to sign up for access to this groundbreaking series and the rest of Daily Wire's content. Okay, meanwhile, Donald Trump avoided the entire debate, right? So everybody in the debate is tearing each other apart. They're they're all, you know, going at one another. Final debate grades, by the way, on this one, I'll give DeSantis a B plus, Haley a B minus, Vivek, I'll give a C, C plus. Christy, a C, the C minus. I mean, that Donald Duck joke was just painful. Mike Pence, a D, Tim Scott, a D, and Doug Bergama. Sure, he's great. I, I, I don't understand. Okay, meanwhile, Donald Trump, again, played the war game strategy. The winning moves not to play. He instead decided to head on over to Clinton Township, Michigan, where he was supposedly speaking to auto workers. Unclear how many auto workers actually showed up to this thing since the UAW is in Joe Biden's pocket because he is in their pocket. It's, a, it's in a robros of pocket being in. In any case, uh, Donald, Donald Trump, goes there and he and he speaks about the auto workers and he gets some headlines. This is smart politicking by Trump. Again, he he's he does have an innate instinct for getting attention and for misdirecting the cameras to a place he wants them to be, which is why it is so all fired frustrating that for the last eight years, Donald Trump has not used that magical power in order to direct attention where it should be. In any case, he goes to Michigan and uh, and he jumps in on uh, on his trade agenda, suggesting that globalization or what he calls globalism not quite the same thing, that, that globalism is responsible for, uh, for what's going on. So give me four more years and I will give you the end to this horrible globalism that's killing our country. I'll give you the return of the United States of America as the greatest and strongest industrial nation in the history of the world. Together we will dismantle the corrupt power structure that has feasted on the suffering of the American auto worker and the workers of any kind, not just auto workers, workers of any kind. We will cast from power the financial forces that have turned American cities into ghost towns to build skyscrapers in Beijing, China. We will wield every lever of government to defend you and to hold accountable those who have profited from the betrayal and suffering of the American factory worker. So sad to see. As your 47th president of the United States, I will be your protector. I will be your advocate and I will be your greatest champion, the greatest champion. And now again, do I think that a lot of this stuff is true? Do I think that manufacturing jobs are going to come flowing back into the United States thanks to President Trump? Uh, I, I mean, I don't. I, I don't think that anybody has the capacity to bring manufacturing jobs like 1950s style manufacturing jobs back to the United States. That's not what the statistics show. However, is that a, a solid Midwestern Rust Belt pitch? Sure. His better pitch here is going after the Biden administration for their electric vehicle mandate. This obviously is true. Here is here is Trump yesterday in Michigan. On day one, I will terminate Joe Biden's electric vehicle mandate. And I will cancel every job-killing regulation that is crushing American auto workers. I will unleash a thing called American energy, stop the ban on the internal combustion engine, and we will drill, baby, drill, and we will make zero environmental difference. And so, um, again, all of that is good. And it's smart for Trump to go to Michigan and gets attention away from the debate. Now, the biggest issue that Trump is about to face is actually this fraud case. So believe it or not, all of the criminal violations that he may or may not have committed, 
Uh, I think three of the four criminal cases are BS. I think the one on classified documents is very difficult for him to, to defeat just in the in the actual court of law because he says on tape that he does the crime. But those are not really the biggest threats. And the biggest threats and the thing I'm, I'm sure that he is worried the most about is this fraud case in New York. Now, the fraud case is absurd. It's an absurd case. So the law in the state of New York, I looked it up yesterday. The, the law in the state of New York suggests that the government is capable of what they call disgorgement of profits of a business, even if no crime has actually been committed against anyone. So they're not charging you with a crime. They're not, they're not convicting you of fraud. You have not defrauded anyone in the sense that the person who you supposedly bamboozled is not suing you. And so you and I make a real estate deal. I inflate the value of my real estate assets. You know I'm inflating the value of my real estate assets. You make me the loan. We both profit. So there was no loss by you. In the state of New York, you do not have to show a loss. The state of New York does not have to show a loss. There doesn't have to be any criminal fraud. They can then push for disgorgement of profits by filing a civil lawsuit. And that's precisely what happened in the state of New York to the tune of $250 million against Trump's businesses, which is wild. I mean, that's wild. That's a, that's, that's a crazy regimen of law that if they detect, they think civilly that you committed a series of frauds. In other words, you just completely kept inflating the value of your assets in order to get deals at, at lower interest rates. The bank knew you were inflating. They gave you the loan anyway. The state can then come in post facto after everyone has benefited and done great. And the state has gotten more taxes because everybody did great. And they can disgorge the profits from you by identifying a pattern or practice of fraudulent conduct. So it's not even about finding a harm. There's no harm. Now, normally in a case, you have to show a harm. Here, you don't even have to show a harm. You just go after people. So here is what is happening in that case. According to the New York Times, a New York judge ruled on Tuesday that Trump persistently committed fraud by inflating the value of his assets and stripped the former president of control over some of his signature New York properties. This is a real problem for Trump. If all those properties go into receivership, that is a heavy duty burden on his assets. So if he is using those assets to, say, take loans out against the assets in order to raise legal funds, that is not available to him. It's a serious issue for him, electorally speaking. So according to the New York Times, the surprising decision by Justice Arthur Engeron is a major victory for Attorney General Letitia James in her lawsuit against Trump, effectively deciding no trial was needed to determine that he had fraudulently secured favorable terms on loans and insurance deals. James has argued that Trump inflated the value of his properties by as much as $2.2 billion and is seeking a penalty of about $250 million in a trial scheduled to begin as early as Monday. Now, if that goes forward and these properties are put into receivership, what that means is that Trump can't manage his own businesses. Those businesses now go to the hands of a third-party receiver who decides how to dispose of assets to pay off creditors, for example. And one of those creditors now would be the state of New York to the tune of $250 million. Trump, for his part, said that Justice Engron was a Democrat. He called him deranged. While the trial will determine the size of the penalty, Engron's ruling granted one of the biggest punishments that James sought, the cancellation of business certificates that allow some of Trump's New York properties to operate, a move that could have major repercussions for the Trump family business. The decision could terminate his control over a flagship commercial property at 40 Wall Street in Lower Manhattan, a family estate in Westchester County, the Trump Tower in Midtown Manhattan, his golf club in Westchester. It wouldn't dissolve the company. But the decision could have a sweeping impact on the company's New York operations. It would shut down an entity that employs hundreds of people working for him in New York, effectively destroying the company. So this is like a serious full frontal assault on Donald Trump's financial wherewithal, his asset base in the state of New York, which is where the majority of his assets are located. And not only that, encumbers the assets for his kids. So even if Trump were to step off the political stage tomorrow, even if, God forbid, something were to happen to him tomorrow, it would then encumber the assets for his children. So this is a real threat to Donald Trump because, again, if he doesn't, doesn't have money to run his campaign, 
Where's that money going to come from? Presumably, it's going to keep coming from donors. You're going to give money to his campaign. He's going to use it to pay off all of his legal bills. None of that money is going to get spent on electioneering. So you want to talk about election interference? This case actually might be the largest act of election interference in the entire election cycle. And that's something people should take into account. Again, if what you care about is victory over Joe Biden, massive burdens on the Republican frontrunner make it very difficult for him to win. Yes, there have been some positive polls for Donald Trump in the recent past. We're also a year and a half out from the election. Four criminal cases have yet to take place. And if his assets go into receivership, he's got a serious problem on his hands. Herein lies the problem. And this is the case that really nobody made at the debate last night. It's a very simple case. No one on the stage has lost to Joe Biden. There's only one person who's lost to Joe Biden. Donald Trump. He lost to Joe Biden in 2020. Run me. Right? That's what everyone on the stage should have been saying this last night. Run me. I didn't lose to Biden. You can cite polls, but those same polls suggest that Donald Trump is running dead even with Joe Biden. And again, Donald Trump, those polls said Hillary Clinton was going to beat Donald Trump. So there's only one thing we do know is that in an actual voting test, Donald Trump lost to Joe Biden. And so if you're willing to take that risk again, go with Donald Trump. But or you could go with somebody who hasn't lost to Joe Biden before. In fact, Joe Biden's made it pretty clear that he would like to run against Donald Trump. That's the case that everybody basically should have been making on the stage last night. And nobody actually made that case, which is always kind of surprising to me. Again, the polls are so all over the place. There's another poll out today from The Economist YouGov, and it shows Biden up five. So inside the space of like a week, you have an ABC News Washington Post poll showing Trump up 10. And then you have an Economist YouGov poll showing Biden up five. Like that is a 15 point swing. That's So where the hell are, I don't know where the polls are. What I do know is that Trump has very major systemic hurdles that he's going to have to overcome. That he is, this is not an easy election for him by any stretch of the imagination. And every single legal ruling that comes down against him, justified or unjustified, it doesn't matter whether the decision is right or whether the decision is wrong. The only thing that matters is whether it stops Trump from from beating Joe Biden. Okay, meanwhile, Gavin Newsom, who is like desperately hanging around in the hopes that Joe Biden dies. I mean, that's all I can imagine he's doing here. Because the year is 2024, not 2028. He's sitting governor of California. He showed up at the debate. He like crashed the party and showed up at the debate. I don't, no one knows why, except that that dude desperately wants attention. Best meme I saw about him recently is every time Gavin Newsom smiles, he looks like a movie villain who just poisoned you, which fact check true. You're like Jet set it in from the 1980s. He's like the, the lead character in American Psycho. He's going to take you in the back room, put on some, put on some hip to be square and start going at you with an ax, Gavin Newsom. In any case, here is Gavin Newsom crashing the party. Governor, what do you think is going to be the takeaway after this debate from the American people? I think it will be clear that Trump comes out the dominant force after this debate. I mean, this is the XFL. This is JV. I mean, and honestly, I mean, this is maybe, maybe a vice presidential debate. So what are you doing? Now? These guys are getting lapped by Donald Trump. It's not even close. It's not even interesting. And I think what's most interesting to me is, do they recognize that? Or are they actually going to show up and run against the guy that's in the way of their prospects to be the nominee? It's a zero-sum game. It's a binary choice at the end of the day. It's not a ranked choice voting. So either these guys come after the front runner and distinguish themselves, or otherwise they're wasting everybody's time. And I say this with love and respect. What are you doing there, then? Some of the advertising is being discounted for this debate. People don't even want to tune in because they know that fundamentally. So again, I repeat the question. What is this doofus doing there? What's he doing there? Do you show up to XFL games randomly? Do you show up to the JV game, the JV volleyball game, like on a on a random Wednesday night? Is that is that a thing that you do? 
Very, very strange behavior from Gavin Newsom. Then Gavin Newsom drops an even stranger thing. So we know that Gavin Newsom is slated to have at the end of, I believe, next month, he's going to have a debate with Ron DeSantis. And it should be really interesting because, again, these are two very different visions of governing the country. DeSantis wants the debate because he wants to be able to take it to Gavin Newsom and demonstrate, since he since Biden won't debate him, that the stand-in for Biden is very bad at governing. He's hoping it'll give him a boost. Newsom wants it because anything that, that gets Gavin Newsom on TV is something that Gavin Newsom wants. So Gavin Newsom then bizarrely went on a, went on a show on X and explained that because Ron DeSantis is debating him, this disqualifies him as president, which is a super weird take. It's like Newsom has been following around DeSantis asking for debate. And finally, DeSantis turned around and said, sure, let's do it. And then Newsom's like, ha ha, you can't be president because you're debating me. Weird take, Gavin. Okay. A debate between you and Ron DeSantis, November 30th, Fox News Channel, Sean Hannity in Georgia without a crowd, uh, just the two of you. Why are you doing that and what is your strategy? I I don't know if that's the right question. Why is he doing it is the right question. He's running, I think, I'm not sure after tonight, but currently he's running for president of the United States. do you think he's still going to be? A, you think he'll still be a candidate on November thirty? That's an open-ended question. Part of me wonders if, he, you know, uh, the fact that he took this debate, the fact that he took the bait in relation to this debate, shows that he's completely unqualified to be president of the United States. That's my humble first. Why is that? You're baiting him with the debate offer? Of course. I mean, why is he debating a guy who's not even running for president when he's running for president? He's showing up at the Reagan Library, hollow ground, and he puts out an ad today, not for his presidential campaign, to promote a debate against the governor of California? I mean, this guy's distracted. I mean, he is a big weirdo. He's a big, big weirdo. So debate me. But if you do debate me, that means you're bad is is a very weird take from Gavin Newsom, who's, again, just sitting around hoping that Joe Biden dies. Let's be real about this. That's all he wants in life. Because he figures that since he's running a shadow campaign, if that happens, then then he picks up the pieces. Meanwhile, again, Joe Biden's administration continues to be a bleep show. It's the thing that is keeping Republicans competitive in this race. Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, who theoretically should be the one involved, you know, he's the Secretary of Transportation in the UAW issues, or Secretary of Labor should be involved, not Joe Biden. Joe Biden shows up to the picket lines, as we discussed yesterday on the program, in one of the most corrupt acts I've ever seen from a United States president. He shows up wearing a UAW hat in the middle of a labor dispute, which is totally crazy. And Buttigieg was asked, so does he support the UAW's agenda? Since the UAW wants a 32-hour French work week, they, they want a 40% pay raise over the next four years, cost of living adjusted. They want defined benefits, pension plans. They want the moon, the sun, and the stars. Do you, do you think Biden agrees with that? Buttigieg can't say yes to that because if he does, then Biden looks like a shill. So instead, he tries to avoid the question. They're asking for a 40% pay increase, four-day week, things like that. Does the president support what they're asking for specifically? Look, I can't speak to individual terms that are in contract negotiations being worked out at the table today. Yeah, you can't speak to this. Could you speak to the fact that the president went and wore a UAW hat on the picket line? And he speaks to that. Again, this, this administration is just awful. Meanwhile, the DEA administrator is out there admitting that fentanyl is pouring into the country via Mexico. And uh, so why is the border open? So tie all that together and explain why it is so difficult to stop it. So first of all, I think we should start even at the beginning, which is that fentanyl is the deadliest drug threat we've ever faced. It is also incredibly cheap to make. 
and it is easy to transport or hide because these tiny quantities, the amount that you could fit on the tip of a pencil are, are deadly. And so this has completely changed the face of narcotics trafficking in the world. These are man-made synthetic drugs, starting with these chemicals coming from China, going to Mexico where they are made into fentanyl powder and then often pressed into pills. The powder and the pills are coming across into the U.S. So um, then why is the, the border so open? That would be the big question. Again, Joe Biden, very, very bad at the presidenting. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like. Since I'm in Israel, I constantly get asked for you know travel recommendations while you're in Israel. So here's one a little bit off the beaten path. There's tons of amazing stuff in Jerusalem. There's, there's amazing sites like Masada. But here's one that the kids will really like. There's something in Israel. It's in a, a place called Bet Shemesh called the Biblical Museum of Natural History. And it's very, very cool. So basically... This museum was started by a rabbi who looks at the Bible in light of science, and he goes through the Bible, and he and he looks at, at what the language of the Bible means with regard to animals. So, for example, when it talks about deer in the Bible, the word for deer actually means gazelle, but because people who are translating the Bible weren't living in Israel, they didn't know the species that actually they were talking about when they translated the Bible. And so you actually have to go back to the original. It's, it's, it's very interesting and cool stuff. It's, again, a merger of science and religion that's really worth the visit. So you should go check that out. The Biblical Museum of Natural History. I took my kids there yesterday, and it was indeed a lot of fun. If you're looking for more travel recommendations, if you ever come to Israel, I'm happy to give them. In fact, I think we're going to be putting out more material in the near future about some places you should and definitely should not go if you are visiting around here. Okay, time for some things that I hate. Okay, so last night in Philadelphia, every liquor store in the city closed. Every single liquor store in the city. They closed because several locations were looted shortly after the conclusion of peaceful protests against a judge's decision to dismiss all charges against a former Philadelphia police officer in a fatal traffic stop shooting. So the police made dozens of arrests following Tuesday night's looting. And they said they were prepared to make more if things got out of hand on Wednesday evening. So out of out of concern for public safety, they shut all 49 retail wine and liquor stores in Philadelphia which is the, the sign of a well-functioning city is you shut all of your retail establishments because you're afraid that people are going to loot the living crap out of it. In fact, there was tape of juveniles looting multiple stores in Philadelphia. This was Tuesday night. Here's what it looked like. Looters ransacking Center City stores first, then police headed to Port Richmond and Northeast Philadelphia as caravans of kids and teens moved fast from location to location. Here's what we've learned overnight. At least 20 people are under arrest. Two guns were recovered. At least one police car was damaged, and there are no reports of injuries. NBC10's Randy Gyllenhaal live in Center City near one of the business looted. Uh, Randy, police say the looters were taking advantage of a peaceful protest involving the deadly shooting of Eddie Irizarry. Yeah, police calling these looters criminal opportunists who uh, went out after this peaceful protest had ended. Hitting stores like the Lululemon, this is in Rittenhouse Square, it was a busy night. Witnesses report seeing 100 or more teens, young people, even some children ransacking stores. It's going amazing. It's going great. The cops were completely outnumbered. So clearly the issue here is police brutality, not mass criminality. So there's one cop there. Look how many criminals. They can't even handle them. And this lady just sitting there, I'm filming and uh, laughing hysterically. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's great. One protester was uh, was standing outside a store shouting, everyone must eat. 
It's a communist uprising in which everyone requires their big screen TV. Everybody must eat. 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 Do you mean drink? It's a liquor store. Um, and uh, and meanwhile, people screaming that there are free iPhones for everyone as well. So that's exciting. Got to got to nail that that cell phone store and grab yourself an iPhone. Got work. Uh-huh. 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 Free iPhones. Free iPhones. Free iPhones. Question: Where are the parents? Where are the cops? Why have the cops not been allowed to arrest every single one of these people and their parents? Why is it? That we are supposed to pretend that mass criminality, if it is disproportionately of one particular race, is in fact something justifiable. I promise you that if there are vast, vast crowds of looting white teens going into the center of Philadelphia and stealing things, I don't think that you'd be getting the kind of national media blackout that you've been receiving for this particular story. And by the way, Philadelphia is not the only city that's been hit by this stuff. Chicago has been hit by this stuff. Seattle has been hit by this stuff. Los Angeles has been hit by this stuff. Obviously, race ties into it. It was tied into the protest in the first place. The entire lie that the police are systemically racist has led to a feeling among a certain gr- a certain small subset of a certain group that believes that they are impervious to actual law abidingness, that they have a right to go into stores and, and steal things. Now, I don't even understand how a person has the moral impetus to believe that you have the right to steal a thing. Where does that come from? Somebody obviously feels morally justified. Everyone must eat. Free iPhones for everybody. Laughing hysterically while people en masse commit acts of criminality and the cops aren't there to stop them. I mean, this is this is societally ruinous stuff, but it's being treated with a with a with kid gloves specifically because if you were to say the opposite, which is criminality of any race is disgusting, despicable and criminals should go to jail. And we need more cops to arrest more people who commit criminal acts so that they all go to jail if they commit criminal acts. Anybody who commits criminal acts should go to jail. If that were the actual take. Then the immediate response from the left will be disproportionate number of black people going to jail, racist, terrible, fewer cops. We know because it's exactly what happened in 2020. Man, the, the wages of the wages of racial intersectionality when it comes to crime, vast criminal be- behavior. All right, guys, the rest of the show continues right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We are going to be getting into the government shutdown and the latest over there. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 